Welcome in to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast. We love your questions, especially when you go to funastrology.com up at the upper left. There's an orange box and you can leave an anonymous message. You don't even have to put your email in there. We love just hearing from you and you can leave a message for us that we will answer here on the podcast if it's relevant for everybody. And this one is... Hi, Thomas and Robert. I have a question. I'm curious if you would be able to shed more light on exaltation and fall, planets being exalted in certain signs and planets being in their fall or detriment in other signs. And yes, this is a great topic and one that we have not covered yet. And it's such a big topic that we're probably going to have to do multiple episodes on this. But we're going to start with exaltation and fall. We'll just kind of stay right there right now. And we have a couple of charts that you can reference. If you'll go to the show notes, those will be available for you to view and download. Okay, Robert, let's pick this question apart. All right, great question. This goes way, way back in astrology. The idea that each planet rules a particular sign, in other words, it's domicile. So, for example, the sun rules the sign of Leo. And we all know these sign rulerships. And as long as you know those sign rulerships, you're home free with understanding and knowing the signs of exaltation and detriment and fall. And I'll explain this to you. Every planet has a home sign or sometimes two. So the sun's domicile, its home sign is Leo. The moon's domicile is Cancer. Mercury's home sign or domicile, two signs, Gemini and Virgo. Venus has two signs that it rules, its domicile. Venus has its domicile in Taurus and Libra. Mars has its domicile in Aries and Scorpio. Jupiter has its domicile in Sagittarius and Pisces. And Saturn has its domicile in Capricorn and Aquarius. And these are the main ones. So... Let's go back to the sun. Rules the sign of Leo. It's exalted. The sun is exalted in Aries. Now, just because you have a planet in exaltation or detriment or fall doesn't mean it's bad. It simply means that you have to work with that sign if it's in its detriment or fall a little more consciously to understand and actualize it than if it were in its domicile or the sign of exaltation. The sun is exalted in Aries, the most individual, personal fire sign that there is. The sun is at home in the fire signs. It's particularly at home in Aries because that's the sign of you, the individual. And that's the sun. You know, I think of the sun as a circle with a dot in the middle, like a target, an archer's target, something we're aiming to be. So in a sense, when you have the sun in Leo at birth, everybody says, oh, I'm born a Leo. Well, you are, but you're really born aiming to be a Leo. So when the sun is in Aries, it's exalted because that is the most personal individual sign in the zodiac even leo which rules is ruled by the sun involves love and children so it's other people not in aries so aries is the sign of the sun's exaltation now 
a sun of any planet is in its detriment when it is in the sign that is opposite the sign that it rules. So the sun is in its detriment in Aquarius, the sign opposite Leo, which is ruled with the sun. The sun's exaltation is in Aries. The fall of a planet is the sign opposite that planet's exaltation. So with the sun again, it rules Leo, that's its domicile. It's exalted in Aries. It's detrimented in Aquarius because Aquarius is opposite the sign ruled by the sun. And the sun is in its fall in Libra because Libra is opposite the sign of the sun's exaltation in Aries. So you can go through the planets. And we're just using the personal planets here. The moon rules Cancer. The sign of its exaltation is Taurus. Why? First of all, it's a Venus-ruled sign. And Taurus, by the ancients, it, Taurus is a sign of love and stability and material security. It's a fixed sign. It stabilizes the sun's natural restlessness and changeability. So the sign of the moon's exaltation is Taurus, the best sign, theoretically, it can be in. What is the sign of the moon's detriment? It's opposite the sign that the moon rules, opposite Cancer. The sign of the moon's detriment is Capricorn. The sign of the moon's fall is opposite the sign of the moon's exaltation, which is in Taurus. So the moon is in fall in Scorpio. You get to Mercury. It rules Gemini and Virgo, so those are its domiciles. The sign of, the, of Mercury's exaltation is Virgo. The sign of Mercury's detriment, or signs of Mercury's detriment, Sagittarius and Pisces. And the sign of Mercury's fall is opposite the sign of Mercury's exaltation. So Mercury's exalted in Virgo, it's in its fall, Mercury in Pisces. Which, when you begin to think about these things, makes sense. Mercury is your mind. It's your communications. It's logic. It's rationality. It's reason. So it's exalted in Virgo, the most analytical, logical, skeptical, prove-it-to-me sign. Mercury is detrimented in Sag and Pisces, but it's in its fall, Mercury in Pisces, which is a water sign and a double sign. And a sign, it's, it's literally Pisces, a sign of living in two worlds at once, this world and the realm of non-physical reality, dreams, imagination, other lifetimes, reincarnation, and so on. Pisces is a very permeable sign. And when you have Mercury there, it can be tremendous. It can be an astrophysicist, for example. It can also seem, be somebody who is neurotic in Pisces, somebody who's daydreamy, wishy-washy, irrational. So these are the old associations with these signs and their dignities and abilities. You take Venus, rules Taurus and Libra. The sign of Venus's exaltation is in Pisces, which is really the most compassionate 
replacement for Venus. So Venus and Pisces, for example, can be a wonderful indication of a caregiving career, medicine, healing, psychology, spirituality, religion, and so on. It's also an artistic and creative sign. Venus and Pisces, exalted in Pisces. It has incredible compassion and intuitive understanding of its own and other people's suffering as well as their potentials for healing and creativity. Venus is detrimented in the two signs opposite the signs that are ruled. So Venus is detrimented in Aries, which is a very selfish sign or self-involved sign, and Scorpio, which is a compulsive sign. Venus is in its fall in the sign that is opposite the sign of Venus's exaltation, which is Pisces. So Virgo is Venus's fall. Mars is the ruler of Aries and Scorpio. Mars is exalted in Capricorn, a wonderful sign for Mars, because Capricorn gives Mars the discipline and the focus for its natural drive and ambition. So Capricorn gives Mars the organization, the prioritization, the discipline, the maturity, and so on, to act in its most constructive way. Now, Mars is at its detriment when it's in the signs opposite those that are ruled. So Mars is detrimented in Taurus, which is opposite Scorpio, and Libra. The other sign of Mars is detriment because Mars rules Aries. And Mars is in its fall in the sign opposite Mars's exaltation. Mars is exalted in Capricorn, so Mars is in its fall in Cancer, which tends to aggravate and irritate the emotional side of life in Cancer. Cancer is an emotional, irrational sign. Mars there can give emotional ups and downs, moods, anger, upset and all of that. So these are some of the just thumbnail sketches of why Mars is in its fall in Cancer. You take Jupiter, ruler of Sagittarius and Pisces. Jupiter is exalted in the sign of Cancer, the best sign it can be in, the home, the family, the emotional side of life, the security-seeking side of life. Jupiter's exalted in Cancer. It's at its detriment in the signs opposite the signs that Jupiter rules. So Jupiter rules Sagittarius and Pisces. It's in its detriment in Gemini and Virgo. And Jupiter's in its fall in the sign that's opposite Jupiter's exaltation, which is the sign of Cancer. So Jupiter is in its fall in Capricorn, a Saturn rule sign. Saturn rules Capricorn and Aquarius. It's exalted in Libra. An interesting concept, because Libra is the sign that rules the other. And when you have Saturn in Libra, you tend to value other people as equal to yourself, which is a wonderful way to live, because Saturn rules respect, among other things. Saturn's detriment is in the two signs opposite that which it rules. So Capricorn and Aquarius are ruled by Saturn. 
Saturn's detrimented in the signs of Cancer and Leo. And Saturn is in its fall in the sign of Aries, which is the individuality. And Saturn in Aries tends to step on or challenge the individuality. So you can begin to think these various domiciles and rulerships and exaltations and detriments and falls in this way. And second of all, there's another consideration. This is called accidental dignity, meaning that if a planet, no matter what sign it's in, happens to be in a house that in the natural wheel, which starts with zero Aries, if that planet happens to be accidentally in a house corresponding to the sign of its exaltation, it's considered accidentally dignified. So Saturn, for example, is exalted in the sign of Libra, but Saturn in any sign in the seventh house in a horoscope is in the house of Libra in the natural wheel. So Saturn in the seventh house, no matter what sign it's in, is considered accidentally dignified. So those accidental dignities are something that also should be considered. I hope this isn't too confusing. We should send everybody a little table about this, but you can look these up online as well. But once you understand that principle about taking the sign that is ruled by the planet or the signs, and then you can either understand or memorize the signs of its exaltation. Then you're home free. You can easily figure out the sign of its detriment and the sign of its fall. So that's how this works. Excellent. Thank you for that. And yes, there are some grids online. If you just search up exaltation fall astrology and then go to the Google images, there are a lot of grids you can download. I keep one in my notes just to keep it at hand uh, to make sure that I'm not missing something. But let's look at one chart here. I mentioned a couple. We're just going to look at one. And I've got Joe Rogan up here. And the reason I do is a little bit selfish on this, Robert, I must admit, (laughs) because he has Venus in fall in Virgo. And so does Thomas. I have Venus in Virgo. Now, Joe Rogan, I think from what I saw is in one primary marriage, although he did uh, adopt or custody's a child from a previous relationship, that's all fourth house stuff, and that's great. So in other words, he stayed with this child and then has stayed with his marriage, and he gets a $100, $200 million deal with Spotify for his podcast. My Venus in Virgo, I'm, you know, <laughs> limping along here and um, have been divorced twice and <laughs> Like, okay, my Venus is in fall, but his dead, his Venus is not. So what's the deal here? The deal is that you have to consider things other than just one planet. And this is always true. What planets are aspected? Joe Rogan's Venus is in a sextile to his Mars, for example, which rules his seventh house of marriage. Mars is in Scorpio, which is a fixed marriage. It sextiles his Venus. It also sextiles his Pluto, which co-rules Scorpio. So that's one thing. So you really, it's always tempting, but very simplistic to consider a planet in isolation because they, they're they really not in isolation. They're part of a pattern. But Venus in, in Virgo alone is wonderful for relationships that work together, that are in business together. 
Uh, and they, they can be in, in love and married at the same time. But if you have a marriage, say, with the two partners, Venus and Virgo, for example, in the fourth house, could be great for a couple who's in real estate together. And the simple idea of Venus and Virgo alone, finding a marriage that is either compatible, the two careers are compatible, or they actually work together in a business partnership as well as a marriage is ideal because the business partnership helps smooth them over any of the normal and natural arguments and disagreements that any marriage couple has on and off. Because we have this business together, we have a second motive, not just children and, and our marriage and property, but we have a business together too. So let's have this fight and let's resolve this as opposed to instantly jumping for attorneys and getting divorced. But Venus in Virgo is an interesting position because in essence, it's a loner. It's an earth sign. So it very much, and everybody thinks it's the sign of the Virgin, far from it. It's an earth sign. It can be very lusty and very sexual. Not always, but it can be. But in Virgo, it's constantly analyzing everything because the nature of Venus in Virgo is to fix people and fix things. So its natural inclination in any situation is to almost intuitively identify what's wrong here, not what's right, what's off, what needs fixing. So it's constantly trying to heal itself and everybody else, which makes it a wonderful nurse, physician, psychologist, teacher, on and on. But that's the nature of, of Venus in Virgo. Is It's a rational sign. It's an intellectual sign. It's a critical sign. It's a logical sign. And sometimes with emotional people, Venus in Virgo can drive them crazy. Because Venus in Virgo is not intuitive, taken alone. Now, there's the rest of the chart may have. But Venus in Virgo is rational and logical. It knows what needs to be done to fix things. So it's constantly on the lookout for what's wrong that needs fixing. And that can get very tiresome to people who are more optimistic and more confident and more live and let live and, you know, take what it is, just accept it, move on. Well, Venus and Virgo doesn't want to do that. It wants to move on, but it wants to fix things first. So it can become very much a loner in life. It's one of the signs of bachelor and bachelorette. So is Sagittarius. Boy, Not I'll that these you, people don't get married. You just read me like a newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. We did this in public. Yeah, I'll take you, it all back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you? Uh, none of that applies to me, Robert. <laughs> Good. I didn't think so. That, you've risen above it. You've evolved. Wow. No, I mean, we're down to the, like, working together. I've always wanted that over just, oh, hi, how was your day? How was your day? You know, this kind of thing. Hey, listen, speaking of, I've got to go. And uh, so we're going to have to wrap this episode up. But I think there's more here that we can indeed bring out in the future. Thank you for this. What a great walkthrough. You've got excellent explanations on this. Grab the charts online. There's a bunch of them available, and then you can start to follow this and build it into your own astrological practice. It's something that whenever you're reading, especially those of you who are doing readings, you should definitely, if you don't have it memorized, have it right there by you because it is a reference tool that you need to at least be aware of. And then, I love the way you said that. You integrate it into the reading of the whole chart. It's not a standalone. It's an integration. 
Thanks again for listening today. We have all the stuff that you need in the show notes, including the chart of Joe Rogan. And uh, wow, <laughs> what a deal. And uh, we're on our way. We're just chasing him. We're, we're, we've got Saturn in charge of this operation, so we're slow and steady. The turtle will always beat the rabbit eventually. And we'll see you next time on that note on the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. <laughs>